Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. From First Paw Media, sponsored by First Paw Coffee Company, this is the Dog Driver Show. Visit our website at dogworksradio.com. Now here are your hosts, Robert Forto and Kurosh Parto. Hello and welcome everybody. This is Robert Forto and I'm here with my co-host Karosh Parto and we are the Dog Driver Podcast and today we are doing our second part of our Cook Family series calling in from the Saskatchewan, Canada area. KP, what do you know? So we have the other part of the Cook Kennel uh, after talking to Kevin. Uh, now we have Ray, uh, Kevin's dad with us. Uh, Ray has been involved in the sled dog sport for forever um, and I had the pleasure of seeing uh, meeting him and chatting with him when they came for a rendezvous uh, to Alaska we chatted uh, uh, on the avenue uh, on the fourth avenue before the race for uh, for a few minutes and uh, I watched their dogs beautiful dogs and uh, Ray thank you be, uh, for being part of our show and tell our listeners who you are well I'm Raymond Cook I uh used to race dogs. I don't anymore, but I used to race dogs, and now I'm retired. So when did you start racing sled dogs, Ray? Probably in about 1967. 1967. And uh, you started, uh, when I chatted with you, you started with uh, trapline dogs. Is that correct? Yeah, in them days, that's all there was. And uh, tell me about those dogs. I would love to hear more about those dogs. Well, they were uh, kind of a working dog, and they, then they would have a race once or twice a year, and the fastest dog would win. A dog team would win. And uh, most of the time, they come right out of the trap line. And uh, so it was the true... Uh, way of like springtime when the trap line and trapping is over you bring those dogs and put them together and build a dog team that's right yeah and did you ever use them yourself for trapping did you trap with them yeah I still do yeah oh you still do yeah okay, I so still t- trap yes uh, tell me tell me about how you organize that and uh, how many miles of uh lines you have and when you start? Oh, uh, count at 30 miles. It's a small trap line uh, to what there is in the north. Like they're huge lines, but our smaller lines, they produce quite a bit of purse on big lines. And I started in 1974 trapping. And uh, what do you trap for? Martin, Link, Beaver, Wolves. We have 
Um, so when you uh, when you start a trap line with sled dogs, uh, uh, do you uh, hitch them the traditional way, tandem, or are single lines like you see in movies? No, to start out, they were all single file, one one ahead of each other. And how many dogs usually you have in front of a sled? Not very many, four or five. Four or five dogs. And these dogs, obviously, they know every single command. When you tell them to stop, they stop. They're not crazy like sprint dogs, are they? Very good. Yeah, very well. That's what happened, yeah. And Kevin was telling me that these dogs, they were very, very large compared to today's race dogs. Yeah, they were heavy set. They were made pulling old stuff. They weren't uh, hound breed or nothing. They were the dog that could pull the most. And uh, what type of weight are they pulling behind them? How big uh, is you get a lot of moose in the bush and pull the moose out. Enough to pull a moose out. We are talking about like 1,500 pounds or a thousand, I mean over 1,000 pounds for sure. Uh, Probably 800 to 1,000 pounds. But you loaded in a sleigh and pull it out. Oh, that's pretty impressive. And so are these dogs the backbone of your genetics for the sprint dogs, Kevin and yourself, you raced over the years? Yeah, yeah, they are. We cross-bred them with different dogs and, and never separate of our dogs. And uh, do you think that's the reason a lot of your dogs, I mean, they're well known to be tough. When you talk about cook lines, cook dogs, they say they are tough. And is that why they are so hard and they can endure distances and speeds? Uh, yeah, I believe that's, that's why, because uh, they were a good, tough uh, traffic line and, uh, and then they're custom with different breeds and that's what we have. And so currently, you still have some of those dogs in the yard? No, we sold out uh, six, seven years ago. Okay, okay. And uh, did you still use the sprint dogs for trapping or no? Uh, when you were racing, you didn't trap? No, no they were too hard to handle. You didn't want to slow them up, so you, could, you couldn't use them for trapping. So you had one set of dogs just for trapping and one set of dogs for racing? Uh, no. Uh, let, uh, I used to trap the dogs before, but then when the spinners come, the trapping dogs kind of get set aside. Okay, okay. So when I was chatting with uh, <laughs> Kevin, he mentioned that uh, 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 Le uh was the main goal for your kennel. And you won Lepaw so many times. Uh, why the paw was the uh, the most important for you? Well, um, that was the main race in our, our neck of the woods. Uh, next biggest one would be Anchorage or Fairbanks. And how did and, you... Uh, and in them days, we couldn't afford to travel that far, so we never, never went to, to Alaska in them days. And uh, what did, uh, I mean, Kevin, of course, he said his version, but uh, what was the reason uh, to come to Alaska for ONAC and Rendezvous? 
Well, after you uh, race in a place too many times, you get bored. So we decided to try Alaska. And uh, so you got bored of winning races. That's a good bore. Boring. Not, not really. Not not really. We took our shares along the way, but uh, we did quite well in the bar. Uh, very, very good. Uh, and uh, so your dogs right now are, I see the lines in a lot of different uh, kennels right now, completely different kennels in Alaska, Canada, North America, you know, from Annie to uh, to Lightning in Finland. Uh, how did you, over the generations, bred these dogs? And what did you breed for? What were you looking for in a good dog? Well, we wanted to find a dog that could run 35 miles as fast as he could and a dog that had real good feet. Okay. And you said the f- good feet? Good feet, yeah. Why? Because your trail, your training trails, they were tougher? They were, uh, they were, you, get, you were getting a lot of snow or they were not groomed? No, a dog with sore feet can't run very long, so... You had one or dog with good feet that didn't bother. And uh, over the years, you were able to have this as part of a genetic uh, condition for your dogs then, right? Good feet? Yeah. Yeah, I would like to believe that, yeah. And uh, you live in Saskatchewan, and I don't know how much snow you get. Uh, when usually do you uh, did you get on sled for training, or did you do a lot of cart training out there? Well, we usually started in the first of September, and that would be getting pups or uh, young ones ready for the harness, uh, used to running, on the four-wheeler. And then when did you get on sled usually? Uh, Probably... Snow would come in late October, November. Oh, so you got snow that early then, huh? Okay, I thought for sure Saskatchewan got snow fairly late in the uh, in the season, but it's in October, huh? Okay. Well, not too often in October, but in uh, November for sure. And uh, did you do majority of the training, or Kevin did, Rhonda did? Who did all the trainings? Yourself and Kevin mainly. Oh, we trained together. And uh, it's a full-time job almost, isn't it? Well, we had a lot of dogs that took a lot, quite a bit of work. Eh? Like, and tell uh, me about Kevin a was there. Uh, Ray, tell me about a work day. Tell me about how, when did you start and what did you do and when did you finish? Uh, racing or what? Training. Oh, training. Well, we started in September and we trained through right to December. There's a New Year's race in uh, Cumberland House. Years ago, we'd go to it. That'd be kind of our first race. And then uh, there'd be different races. From then on, pretty well every weekend. And uh, give me the description of one day in Cook Kennel. What time did you start in the morning, and what time did you go to bed? Oh, I started probably 
seven to eight o'clock in the morning, and uh, then would train till dinner time or one o'clock, and then there's feeding and looking after dogs. Probably six o'clock, I'd be done. You say it when you say it like that. It sounds so easy, doesn't it? It's not that easy. <laughs> I'm sure it's hours and <laughs> hours of walking <laughs> and training. And then that, and then after that, we meet. We'd have to go and back trails, groom trails. It's tough on the body, isn't it? Well, <laughs> we're young. <laughs> and. Uh, I talked to Kevin about coming to Alaska and racing Rendezvous. Uh, was it also your first time coming to uh, Rendezvous, or you've been to Alaska and watching Rendezvous before that? I tried it once myself in '97, and I was first in the first two days, and then I bombed out in the third day. Also, uh, that was when Kevin came. It was not the first appearance for the Cook Kennel. You were there before, okay? I was there before. Yes, right. And uh, when you came back, did so, you see a lot of family and friends, and uh, not family, but friends, old timers who've been there for years? It was good. Yeah, it was. That's why we went back. It was um, very nice to meet all the mushers and George Atla and all them. Yeah, everybody was there. I remember uh, seeing you out there. Uh, and Kevin said that was one of the highlights of his career as a racer. Would you say the same thing? Yeah, I think, think it would. Um, well, the pause is a tough race. You have to have good balance to win that too. But Anchorage has got bridges and culverts, and it's very demanding. So it's, uh, it was something different for us. And you have to have a good, good team with a good head on them to go through all that stuff. And you training and racing in the prairies, uh, you know, basically in fields and everything, how did you prepare the dogs to go through tunnels, bridges, avenues, red lights? Well, uh, we'd put up uh, tunnels for them to go through and put dummies along the trail. So they they wouldn't be surprised if people. Yeah, I just prepared some of the uh, some of the previous uh, obstacles then. And then we like to train our lead dogs pretty good to listen to us. So we had pretty good lead dogs. Ray, how many uh, were you born in the sled dog sport? Uh, Kevin said that uh, he uh, your grandpa your father also had dogs. Yeah, he trapped with dogs. So, but that, he, the, that was the only transportation I had in them days. Also, oh, they used the dogs actually for moving, going from point A to point B. That's right, yeah. If you wanted to go to town, you took a dog team. And how far were you Our, from town? Oh, you'd go 30 miles or so to go to town to get groceries or whatever, or mail, or... Yeah, supplies. So from young it's age, a, yourself, you were, you know, you dealt with the dogs as a working uh, animal, right? That's right, yeah. And, and I was interested in everything. I'm sorry? 
I, I got got interested into racing, so I started training for racing. That is so dogs cool. For that is so cool. And how many trapline dogs did you have when you were growing up with your dad? Or most of them, probably nine dogs, because never like you got to feed them dogs. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was mainly for basic. Yeah. Instead of a skidoo, you had the dog team. In them days, it was tough to feed dogs. Commercial feed. Ray, this is Robert. I just have one question for you before we go. You've been involved with this for a very long time. Of course, you've sold out now, and uh, the rest is history, as they say. But growing up, uh, in a family with a group of working dogs, these were not, um, you know, just in the kennel, just to race. These guys were your livelihood. Um, when you took care of these dogs as a child, uh, did you have that impression that these were, these were, you know, they had a job to do, and you know, very similar to other farm animals can you describe that growing up how was it to to take care of a group of dogs uh along with uh, all of your other chores well i was uh make sure as soon as i could carry the tail was to make sure they had water also right that was my chore and then i had all the others that would feed them make sure they had food and that's how we went and, and what year was that? What is your first memory of sled dogs? Can you put a year on that? Uh, it'll be in the 40s, I guess, some, sometime. Wow. So, wow, almost uh, late, 80 late years ago. Late 40s, early 50s. Holy cow, that, that's a long time ago. Well, Ray, thank you very much for joining us. It's always great to talk to the old-timers. We hear so many stories of, of the younger generations in racing today, and it's always refreshing to hear from, uh, from the old-timers for sure. KP, before we go. Uh, Raymond, wanted to thank you uh, uh, for being part of this interview. Uh, we chatted with Kevin also. We definitely uh, enjoy seeing your lines, uh, your bloodlines in our uh, uh, pedigrees uh, around the world, and uh, hopefully you come back to Alaska. We'll meet one more time. Yeah, I'd like to come back and just visit. Yeah, that, would, that would be great. I uh, would uh, definitely enjoy chatting uh, with you face-to-face. -face. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. On behalf of our guest today and our co-host, this is Robert from the Dog Driver Show. We will see you guys next time. Goodbye. From First Paw Media, this is the Dog Driver Show. We hope you enjoyed this podcast, and we invite you to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find a link on the episode notes. You can tap or swipe on the episode cover art, and you can see some offers from our sponsors. You can support our show by supporting them. If you like what you have heard, we would love it if you could give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe, too. Your hosts are Robert Forto and Kurosh Parto. Our producer is Robert Forto and created for First Paw Media.